Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Uh, very happy to be joined by my partner in crime here at the Athletic Minnesota, uh, John Krasinski. We are practicing social distancing. I am at my house. John is at his house. Uh, Chris, our producer, is at his house somewhere at an unknown destination. And uh, the best part of uh, Straight from the Source is that the opening and closing music is Trampled by Turtles. So, John, you have no control over that. <laughs> well, I, I kind of I, I figured that was going to be the case. I would have been shocked otherwise. So I, I, I've resigned myself to that fact. Again, love Trampled by Turtles. Wouldn't mind a little change up every once in a while, but uh, but I, I know what I'm getting into when I come into your into your backyard here. So uh, and uh, thank you to Dave Simonette for uh, donating Midnight on the Interstate to uh, this podcast and uh, and uh, winners and victory to my Russo Suhan Show podcast and in the Athletic Hour we use a smorgasbord. Uh, Athletic Hour on the KFN Plus is actually on hiatus right now, so I just thought it would be a good idea, especially since so much has changed since uh, the last the Athletic Hour. Uh, that we'd uh, get John on here to talk about uh, the state of no sports here in the Twin Cities and nationwide and Canada and globally pretty much. And man, John, it is a different time right now. It's an unsettling time for us all. Obviously, bigger things than sports, but I don't think any of us have ever envisioned a life without sports. No, not at all. And, you know, I think that when you kind of try to get your mind around what's going on right now and what we're experiencing I, I think the natural inclination is sort of to go back to 9-11 as the last sort of major nationwide crisis uh, that we all faced, something to this scale at least. And I know that you know some people may cringe a little bit when you bring up a tragedy like that in terms of comparison, but I'll, I mean, I'll say it, you know, it, when on 9-11 and as horrible as that was, and as difficult as that was to deal with, it seemed like as a nation and as a society, we kind of got sort of back into the routines of what makes this country what it is fairly quickly after the attacks. And that included having sports games to go to and to cover and to watch and to kind of divert our attention for even a couple of hours. And that's what makes this time, I think, even so much more unique is that, A, we have no sports to kind of just give us some diversion other than like NFL free agency. But then, B, it's clear that it is going to be weeks and then maybe even months um, before the routine of our daily lives co- even comes close to getting back into it. And and so, yeah, I think unsettling is a word. I think nerve wracking is a word. Uh, or a description. I mean, it's just, it is, it's, it's, it's like something I don't think any of us really in our lifetimes, you and me, Russo, I, I don't know that we've ever experienced something like this. No, not at all. And actually, as you said that I had the craziest deja vu of, uh, of 2001 sitting at my laptop uh, with, with the TV on mute, watching what was going on in New York and Washington, while also trying to write a a season preview, uh, basically an Ole Jokinen feature. I still remember this from 19 years ago. Sitting at my laptop, being unable to put any thoughts together because you realize what just happened in this world. And here I am sitting at my desk in a different place with a story that is basically flickering because I just can't get the motivation to write it at my yeah. laptop with uh, the TV on mute in the background. It's just it's a bizarre thing right now. 
Um, and and man, it's it, it, you know you do get a little stir crazy right now. I was just talking to Chris, the producer, about actually now this might be a good time to do podcast because it should should be easy to get pretty much every single uh, athlete on the phone for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I mean, they can't give the excuse of being too busy or having practice yeah. or prep, prepping for games or things <laughs> like that. But uh, it is it's 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 weird. You know, I mean, I have two young kids at home. Uh, there's school has been canceled. And so, you know, we're just trying to you know help them along as much as we can. And and, and while keeping our distance from everyone else. But it is. Yeah, it's hard. You want to get outside. You want to be social. You want to go have dinner somewhere um, and, and you just, we're not doing that right now. And, and, and that's really, that's tough to do. And then, so, you know, you, you, for us, at least it's, you know, I take care of the kids during the day and my wife gets her work done and then she takes care of the kids at night and I get my work done and it's, um, it's tough, you know, it, and there are millions of people who are going through the same thing that we're going through right now. And, and I think we're all, trying to find some sort of normalcy, some little strands that we can grab onto and hold onto that kind of tether us back to the, to the way that we have always had it. And that's hard to find right now. And so I've been delighting in sort of writing about Stefan Diggs getting mm -hmm. traded or, you know, some other uh, Vikings free agency news, just because it's nice, you know, to, to be able to deviate from, here's coronavirus and here's what we're dealing with and and you know getting off of twitter for a little while and just cuz every day it just seems like the news gets worse and more ominous and so it's it's a challenge man mentally and physically to kind of to endure this right now and if you want a uh, distraction from real life uh we definitely uh, welcome you to subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash straight from the source. That will get you in for 40% off. We also have a incredible deal uh, right now that I just saw um, for new subscribers, theathletic.com slash, I believe it's free 90 days. Is that, do you I remember? Think that's uh, right. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, go to our social media channels and you could see that. And I promise you current subscribers as well. We are uh, um, uh, reading our internal messages. They are coming up with uh, some things us as well for you uh, as well to um, one, you know, stay with us because remember sports is going to come back. This will at some point, we don't know when this will all be a distant bad memory and sports will come back, and you're going to want to read a ton of stories. But right now, we are working on such cool stories. Um, the amount of evergreen material that all of us are working on and cool story ideas that have cropped up that are keeping us all busy putting them on together, I guarantee you're going to want to read it. So please uh, stick with us at theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Um, podcast galore as well. Pierre Lebrun and Scott Burnside just did an incredible one with uh, Bill Daly, the very accessible deputy commissioner in the National Hockey League that answers a lot of questions about what the – league is doing in terms of modeling to try to figure out a way once it get, can get and restart the league, what some of the options are. Highly recommend that podcast. Um, John, take me back to what seems like three months ago, last Wednesday <laughs> night, um, when a word started to come out that a couple Utah Jazz players were sick. And next thing you know, uh, Shams reports on Twitter that the NBA season has been suspended. I mean, when you first saw that tweet, I don't know if you had any advanced knowledge of it, but did did, I mean, did it instantly like almost click in your head like, holy mackerel, what this means? Yeah, I know. It, it was really just uh, it, it was almost hard to get your mind around. And it really had been kind of building up over the last, 
I don't know, maybe week or five, five or six days. And you were kind of seeing, you know, things happen where a, a conference tournament in basketball and college basketball was getting uh, canceled or um, some teams were talking about playing in front of empty arenas. And when those conversations started to happen and when uh, when when events started to be changed in a major way, you thought, holy cow, this is really going to change quickly and, and, and progress at a remarkable rate. And, you know, the, the Timberwolves had left the night before and played in Houston and were starting a six-game road trip. And before they got on the plane to to go to Houston to play, I had been talking to some people in the organization who were incredibly worried about the you know the way this virus was trending, about the numbers that they were seeing, and about the um, possibilities that this was going to be a major disruption to the league. And I still think that at in the earlier stages of last week, we were basically preparing to play in front of empty arenas. The locker rooms were off limits to reporters to try and keep uh, the 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 possible transmission of the virus to a minimum. Um, and and so there were a lot of these steps being taken. But still, w- when you actually kind of see that announcement and see Shams reporting it and that that the league is suspended, you just <laughs> – I mean, you don't even know how to comprehend something that yeah. major. And and you, you're looking at it and you're like, what is going on? And I do think, though, Russo, and, you know, you could probably speak to this as well. Like, you know, and I know the NHL followed suit fairly quickly afterward. But I do think that once the NBA made that announcement, I think it was sort of a flashpoint for the country really absolutely in terms of you know most of us had been either kind of brushing it aside or just like hey how bad can this really be you know what's what's going on here and so for it to get to that level and for that amount of revenue to be sacrificed and all of these other things i think that opened a lot of people's eyes and said holy cow this isn't just a flu bug like this is this is something that's going to literally change our lives and absolutely, I mean, they, you could just see it. I mean, you just knew the second the NBA do it, did it, that the NHL was going to have to be next. Uh, there's a lot of crossover with arenas, with visiting locker rooms, with the same hotels, the same bus companies. Um, you know, I saw somebody being shocked the other day that the Brooklyn Nets used the same bus as the Ottawa Senators, and and it didn't shock me at all because you know when we're on the road and we see there there's sometimes we I don't ever take advantage of it, but there are media buses. Um, and when I covered the Florida Panthers, a lot of times I did take advantage of it. When you showed up in a city, the bus driver that drove your, you in a media bus was the same bus driver that you'd seen the trip before and the year before and yeah. the year before. It's, yeah. it's, you know, in a lot of ways, I mean, if you charter out a bus company, the the bus company will have a consistent driver for all the teams, especially because they know how to get around traffic and things like that to get from hotel to arena to practice facility to, to whatever like that. So you just knew that eventually this was going to happen. And then you look at the track that the Utah Jazz took being in Detroit, and then you figure out, wait a minute, the Carolina Hurricanes were just in Detroit. The Tampa Bay Lightning were just in Detroit. And then, you know, before that, that New York and things like that, you just knew that eventually it was going to happen in the NHL. And then once sports ceased to exist, 
you knew it was going to go into normal society. And, you know, we talked before about how worried we are about writing and things and coming up with ideas. I mean, the people I worry about are the people in the service industry, these restaurants that are closing up that we don't know on the other side are going to even exist. The workers at these restaurants that don't make a lot of money to begin with, what what they are doing right now to, to make ends meet. Um, it, it is scary. I mean, the majority, I am a friends with a lot of people in the service industry, restaurants, owners, um, you know, servers, bartenders, things like that. And the one thing I've learned over the years of, you know, frequenting these places is that the majority of restaurant owners don't have a reserve of cash. They are just no. day to day, week to week, month to month, paying their leases, paying their employees. And it is probably, you know, unless there is not to get that into a political thing, but unless there is incredible assistance for these these restaurateurs, it is a lot cheaper to just close your restaurant up than try to get a short term loan to try to continue to keep this thing going while you can't at I don't care if there's takeout or deliveries or whatever. There's just absolutely no way that you're going to make the same sort of revenue that you did when you were open. Yeah, I mean, the margins are so thin um, in that industry. You are literally living day to day. Even if you have an incredible restaurant that's been popular forever and been around, you're still just a few bad weeks away from disaster. And that's what all of these people are facing right now. And I, you know, I, I still think that I, c- I could see a scenario where maybe kind of the moratorium on restaurants and, 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 and those sorts of things are lifted before we even see professional sports back, um, back going and rolling again at a, at a high level. But even then, like how many of these restaurateurs re- rely on the game nights that, um, that a lot of the arenas provide mm-hmm. in terms of just traffic and business and, and all of these things. And yeah, it, it's really heartbreaking when you think about it uh, and, and how wide ranging this can be. I mean, you know, we all have our favorite spots we like to go to. We all, you know, they become part of our lives and part of our routines that that we go through every, you know, a couple of times a month or a week or whatever. And to think about all of that going away, you just you do. You hope that some sort of solution can be found, whether it's through the government or through other means, to keep these places afloat and help them through it because they deserve it and they need it. And um, and if if we get through this crisis that we're in and we try to get back to normal life as we know it, well, one of the staples of normal life are those those restaurants and bars and um, you know, activities that, that we like to do. That's what can help restore that sense of normalcy for us. And so if those aren't there, that impacts us on a major, um, on a major scale as well. It's just, uh, yeah, th- this thing is going to be so wide ranging and so far reaching. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just hard to really f- fathom right now. I saw Governor Cuomo in New York, uh, put out a three month stay on, on, um, on mortgage payments and it, it great. made me, th- yeah, it made me think of, and obviously that has to be done at a state and local level. So we'll see what happens here in Minnesota for people that obviously need to take advantage of it. But um, I was talking to an NHL coach yesterday on the phone that was telling me that he owns 15 properties. And he's like, look, I'm not, you know, don't cry for me. I own a, 
you know, I make a lot of money and I have made a lot of money in my life, but you know, I have 15 mortgages. If all of a sudden on April 1st, these people don't start paying rent, you know, I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, it just shows you, I mean, how wide, wide ranging this is. And, um, my mother keeps on calling me up and we'll talk about sports here in a second. I promise me, but my mother had a great line yesterday, John, that you'll like it a little levity. She goes to me, uh, she's telling me this isn't levity. She's like, I lost $89,000 on my 401k right now. And I'm like, and she's, I mean, she gave me an incredibly generous gift um, when I first moved into my house here. She basically furnished my house, and every month I pull from, uh, you know, she essentially pays like 250 bucks, let's say, a month for, to pay for my furniture. So I said, do you mind? Can I stop that? You know, I don't want to, I don't, you're telling me how right. much money you just lost on your 401k, like, like I could afford it, let me stop. And she's like, no. She goes, you've always been generous to me. And then she pauses, and she goes, except with your time. <laughs> so, so I'm like... Oh. All right. Well, at least the mother guilt hasn't stopped right now. So, hey, there, there's your little slice of normalcy right there. That's yeah. what you need right now is yeah. is the guilt trip there to to kind of snap exactly. you back a little bit. That's good. And then like yesterday morning, I'm still sleeping. It's like seven a.m. and all of a sudden I look at my phone. And I'm getting like a FaceTime call from her, and uh, you know I didn't pick it up. And uh, like later in the day, I'm like, "What are you doing FaceTiming?" She goes, "Well, I'm worried I'm never gonna see you again." And I'm oh, like, "All right, yeah. let's chill out now." Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, anyway. it's it's tough, man. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I, I, I'll admit I haven't even looked at my 401k because I yeah, feel fortunate I. that I have 25 years left of work at least but to, <laughs> for, for things to repair. But, like, that is a recipe for disaster right now for sure. I'll tell you what. If you start to, like, get all these envisions of, like, retiring, all of a sudden yeah. you realize how no. much you miss work. Like, <laughs> like yes. I mean, within one day – of like not covering a hockey game, I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm going crazy!" So I can only yeah. imagine what it's going to be like in twenty something years, whenever we're both not <laughs> doing this. So um, let's talk about sports here. First of all, um, if if you ha- if you aren't a subscriber to the Athletic, again, theathletic.com/slash/straight from the source will get you in. Um, John did an outstanding story today, and it's so funny how it popped up. I I happened to I was sitting on my couch just wondering what was going on on the ink. Okay, on the ink portion of our yeah. site, which if you don't know the yeah. ink, uh, the athletic.com slash ink is our magazine portion of the site. And I go to it, and it's honestly the first time I hit this feed in probably a month, okay? And there's great stories on there. And the second I go to it, boom, John Krasinski's story goes in. And then, of course, I felt guilty uh, because I haven't written something good enough to be on ink in a long time. But uh, but you did this story about the science and the soul behind the Timberwolves' response to COVID-19. Um, give people a little bit of a, a glimpse, a Cliff Notes version of what the story is about. And again, to read it, go to theathletic.com slash Inc., theathletic.com slash MN, or theathletic.com slash Timberwolves. Yeah, so basically um, when, when Gerson Rosas was hired as the president of basketball operations last summer, he went about assembling his front office. And one of the keys or one of the, the the things that he wanted to do was bring a diverse uh, group from different backgrounds and uh, to, together to try and get, you know, a bunch of smart people who maybe don't necessarily look at the job and the game all the same way. And one of the things that uh, one of the people that he added was a guy named Robbie Sika. And he is a, an Indian American, um, had never been in an NBA front office before, but had a lot of background studying the uh, the science of sports injuries, uh, worked with a lot of NBA teams on providing data on injuries and how to kind of, um, oh, 
how, how to try to reduce the number of games lost to injury and, and, and treat injuries when they do happen, things like that. He's a former anesthesiologist, so he has a medical background. And so Gerson Rosas hired him and brought him in as the vice president of basketball performance and technology. And this is kind of a one of those big, you know, long titles that, that you see, but basically charged him with helping revamp the player health and player wellness portions of the organization. Um, he started out in this, in, in this job kind of, you know, working with player nutrition, um, the mental health side of things, kind of rehab and rest and working with Greg Farnham, the longtime athletic trainer on, on how they handle load management and, and workload in practice. And a lot of these kind of things that a lot of people and a lot of organizations and smart organizations are doing. But of course, no one could have expected that eight months after he's hired, we're dealing with a global pandemic that has shut everything down. But really the story is about Robbie Sicka's presence and how his experience in medicine, how his experience in kind of emergency preparedness has really helped the Timberwolves navigate just such uncertain uh, times. And so Robbie was bringing up the coronavirus when he first started seeing reports of it in China. And when we first kind of started to find out that there was one case in the U.S., he was starting to tell Rosas and CEO Ethan Casson, like, look, this is something we got to prepare for. This is going to be really bad. And, um, you know, I, I think that there was probably a little bit of skepticism early, as there was from all of us. Like, yeah, really, how, how bad can this be? And what, what it did was the more data that Robbie compiled and the more uh, ways that he was looking at it, he finally kind of got the, the Timberwolves on board late February saying, look, we're going to have to start talking about scenarios where we're reducing travel. We're not sending our scouts to games. We are even preparing for playing in empty arenas and possibly for games to be uh, suspended. And, um, and so he was able to kind of get the entire organization thinking about this issue long before the, the whole thing blew up last week. And that helped them put kind of plans in place to help players and, and staffers through this time. And you're talking about, you know, he has arranged for uh, Pelotons and tonal home gyms to be delivered to, to players, apartments and, and, and hotels and, 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 and homes so that they can stay in shape while they're kind of social distancing. He has, um, the, the team has provided, they provide three meals a day for the players from their, their own kitchen. So, that they can eat healthy during these times when it's hard to get to a restaurant or hard to get to a grocery store. Uh, They're coordinating with families all over the country and really all over the world um, to make sure that the families of players and staffers and coaches are getting the medical, medical care that they need if they're feeling symptoms or are just getting kind of the guidance and the reassurance about where they should go if something were to come about. And so really, you know, they're not going to be able to basically, they're not going to be able to prevent anyone from getting sick, but they are, they have done a good job of preparing their people for how to handle this 
And I think it's done a better job of sort of calming people down in a very kind of chaotic situation here. Uh, my two favorite parts of the story, and that is a credible story, uh, all that the wolves are doing, are, are the anagrams that he's named uh, yeah. some of this stuff, like Tupac and Wu-Tang. Yeah, just just quickly for everyone. like So, yeah, he made you know Tupac. The T is for like temperature. Uh, uh, temperature take your temperature um you know the u is for you know something else and and in you know uh, use hand, he, he hand sanitizer yeah, use hand, hand hand sanitizer um uh then you know he said you know basically for for all you guys who uh like east coast rap over west coast rap here's a wu-tang <laughs> one wash your hands uh you know uh, and, and kind of you know, do it it's just a way to provide a little bit of levity to get a little people you know get get people kind of smiling a little bit in a tough time. Yeah, the N is for uh for a never touch your face with unclean hands. Yeah. Um yep. the other thing that was shocking to me about this guy is he's got 27 doctors in yeah. his family. Yes. Yes. So uh I profiled him at the start of the season and you get to know him a little bit and his background and um they it's a family of doctors, you know, I I think medicine is very important in the Indian culture. And and so it's it, you know, basically you grew up in his family and they say you you are going to be a doctor. That's what you're going to do. And it was understood from an early age for <laughs> all of his siblings, for cousins, for aunts and uncles and and, and 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 things like that, that this is this is what the Sika family does is they go into medicine. So, yeah, he has 27 wow. doctors in his family and extended family, which is incredible. And one of the things in that profile that I wrote at the start of the year was, you know, when he told his mother that he was leaving his practice as an uh, anesthesiologist to, to join an NBA team, she said basically to, to, to him, well, at least your sister is still a doctor. And, <laughs> and he's like, mom, I'm still a doctor. Like I, that, I, I, I don't give that up, but I'm just doing things in a different way. And so, yeah, it, I mean, that's just a central portion of their family's identity is, is, is how much they're involved in medicine. Um, let's switch gears to uh, football right now. Obviously, the Vikings traded Stefan Diggs, John. But the other thing that's just amazing is just all the NFL news right now and the state of sports being shut down and, and huge contracts going out. Um, obviously, the big news of the week is Tom Brady leaving the, the New England Patriots for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a contract that's $30 bucks. Um, You know, I've seen some skeptics or, or – people out there basically ripping on the NFL saying this is a bad look in the time that we're in other people like me are thinking, Oh, this is a good distraction. Actually, you know, stuff yeah. is still going out. You know, even a pandemic doesn't stop silly season in terms of huge <laughs> contracts and Stefan Diggs in the heart of a pandemic, putting out all these cryptic tweets and things like that. Um, what's your, what's your thought on just one of the state of the Vikings, but two Stefan Diggs and the Tom Brady news of the week. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it, it is the optics of it maybe aren't the greatest where, you know, Kirk Cousins signed a sixty six million dollar uh, extension um, this this week as well. And, you know, meanwhile, there are kids who can't eat because they're not going to school. Is that mm. you know, is that a great look? It probably isn't. But I will say that I think I'm with you a little bit, Mike, in that um, I, I think I need some sort of diversion just for a little bit. Because my Twitter feed is filled filled with all of these doctors saying that the sky is falling, that, um, you know, all of these uh, government officials that are woefully behind the preparedness and we don't have enough tests and we don't have this and we don't have that. And 
and it's crushing to deal with. Like it is really difficult from a mental aspect to not be overwhelmed by this. And so um, to have a little bit of, oh, Stefan Diggs is traded. Oh, uh, Tom Brady signs with the Bucks. Like, um, you know, uh, Arif Hassan has a really good piece today on on how the new defensive tackle they signed, Michael Pierce from Baltimore, is going to fit in with the Vikings. Like, you need a little bit of a break every once in a while just to have you refresh your mind a little bit. And so I've I've welcomed it. I've come around on it. But, yeah, when you look at Diggs, I mean – this was a certainly a case where it was long known that he was not happy with the Vikings. He was not happy with the offense and how how they really kind of featured more of the running game and 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 limited his opportunities in the passing game. And his his frustrations he wore on his sleeve. I mean, he tweeted, he was kind of blowing up on the sideline every once in a while, and I really do believe that the Vikings saw this as a potential that if they kept him around it would turn into a Jimmy Butler situation where he, where Diggs just really made things miserable around the facility and around the team on a daily basis. And so they made the decision that even though he's 26 years old, just entering his prime, he's a great, great receiver. Uh, they had to move on from him. And I think Rick Spielman, the GM did a really good job of getting a great return from Buffalo, got a bunch of draft picks, including a first rounder to, kind of help um, because they have a lot of needs to fill defensive backfield, defensive line, offensive line, getting some of those picks in will help them a lot in that regard, provided that they make the right choices there. So it was something that had to happen, but I just think that Stefan Diggs was making it clear to them that he was not going to play nice anymore and that they better make a move or else uh, it was going to get really, really ugly. And uh, I love the reaction always uh, when it's, when somebody's traded to Buffalo. <laughs> Yeah, it's always like, <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, be careful what you wish yeah. for. Good luck in Buffalo. Like, That's like right. Vikings fans immediately have to go right to the uh, rip on the city. Like, uh, have fun there. So, yeah, exactly. Kind of like we're Percy like Harvin we're this, you know, cosmopolitan, you know, <laughs> exotic Miami or something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think the thing that I'll watch more than you know than him being in a smaller town or anything like that is him playing with a quarterback who is yeah. not very accurate and yeah. <laughs> you know i i i think the good news for him and for the bills is that tom brady is not in the afc east anymore and so maybe for the first time in forever there's actually a chance to win that division as opposed to the patriots just having a stranglehold for like literally 18 years but um but yeah he's going to have his days where josh allen is sailing passes his way and I think you know maybe he'll wonder about uh, if he made the right decision to 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 request out the way that he did. Any coincidence that that does happen on the day that Cousins gets his extension? Do you think that that finally was like the you know especially when Cousins got the extension and he started again with the cryptic tweets? You know, now hey, congratulations to Kirk Cousins. It was more like a you know him thinking type emoji. Yeah, um, yeah, do, yeah. Do you, he. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a coincidence, um, you know, because I think that he has been rattling their cage for a long time. But when, you know, when you have this this big day organizationally where whether, you know, whether Vikings fans are on board with Cousins or not, whenever a, an organization signs a quarterback to a major deal the way that they did, that's a huge move for them. That's that's a defining move that they want to celebrate and 
just a you know literally not long after um you know that 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 news gets out you, now all of a sudden the star receiver is saying time for a new beginning on twitter and that just kind of throws things into chaos and and really kind of says oh look here's you know another guy who was unhappy with cousins and man the organization made a mistake they shouldn't have done it and and so i do think that that was sort of the last straw for for the organization it's like look man if this is the way you're going to go then enough is enough and we're we're going to make this move i think they tried to make some efforts to work with him and to you know to reach out to him and try to try to make things work um but when you know when he goes that way on on such a big day for the franchise that just only cemented their position that okay we can't deal with this anymore and we got to we got to send him off yep and uh, congratulations to Tom Brady 30 million no state income tax <laughs> It'll be very, pretty good there. Let's, get yeah, it. exactly. Uh, let's uh, let's move our attention a little bit to hockey here, um, and then uh, we'll close out the show uh, here with John Krasinski. Again, you're listening to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo and John Krasinski. This is a quasi the Athletic Hour, uh, and to subscribe, theathletic.com slash Straight from the Source. Um, in on the hockey front, uh, I'm working on a on a number of stories. I'm actually going to be on Friday. Uh, putting up the Brad Bombardier Q and A that I felt that I did like it felt like an eternity ago um, on their prospects as well. I did a Bill Guerin Q and A last Sunday that you could find on the site. It's amazing still how much has changed since then. But in there we talk about uh, college free agency. We talk, of course, about Kirill Kaprizov and how, in his mind, this doesn't change anything that his contract would still start next year. We talked about what if this is the end of Miko Koivu? Could you imagine, John, the all-time leading yeah. scorer, the Wild all-time games play leader, that that he goes out by a coronavirus? It's just absolutely incredible. Um, the the uh, the budding star that is Kevin Fiala is a big talk about this and how. Um, as of now, no wild players have tested positive for the coronavirus. Of course, I don't know that any wild players have actually been tested because it does seem like, especially with the public and the, and the lack of tests out there, that um, the teams aren't just going to go and um, and test everybody just for the sake of testing everybody when those tests could be taken away from public that actually need to be tested. But as we all know, you could have this virus and now and be asymptomatic. So um, as of now, no wild players have tested positive. I did reconfirm that yesterday. And the only reason, again, that I reconfirmed that is that uh, Zaitsev for the Ottawa Senators has, uh, uh, has a positive test. Um, for uh, coronavirus and the Wild were just in San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim as their last three games before before the uh, Ottawa Senators did the same exact trip as the Wild. But uh, right now, um, everybody's healthy with the Minnesota Wild, and it'll be interesting, John. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I just don't know how we're going to see the end of the NHL and NBA seasons. I mean, it, this does seem like it's going to go on for a while now. This is, there could be waves of this epidemic. I mean, what if you what if you came back, started the playoffs, started the end of the regular season, and all of a sudden somebody tests positive? Do you shut it down again? Um, it just it seems like right now that our life has sort of been interrupted, and at some point here, there's going to be a drop dead date for the NHL and the NBA. They're they're just going to have to accept reality. Yeah, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, said uh, yesterday on ESPN that you know that he still remains hopeful that the that the league will start again and finish this season in some way, shape, or form. Whether that happens in May or June or July or whenever, it seems like there is certainly motivation 
for the league to do that. And I think, you know, it's probably same with the NHL. There, There's probably as much motivation to get out there in terms of giving people some, some normalcy um, to their lives again as it is to make money, which, of course, is the bottom line for, for any league and any franchise. But um, I, I don't know how it's going to work. I think, you know, the longer that it, that it goes um, – the, the, the obviously the less likely that we get any games in any way, shape or form to come back. And it may be the smartest thing to just say, look, we're going to pump these seasons now and we're going to stop. Um, we're going to stop everything and just try and start again September, October next year for next season and hope that you don't have to get on that roller coaster, that yo-yo and and you know start up and then have another scare and, and shut down and and do all that I, I have to think that there's a motivation for when they do start up again whenever that is that they can just keep rolling and and, and get going but you know you bring up a great point about Koivu I mean you know the Wolves don't have anyone that is that tenured and that you know at that stage of their careers where where you know they might have played their last games, but I, when you think about a guy who has poured his heart and soul into that organization forever, like Miku Koivu has, and you know, it, 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 if this were it, if there are no more games and he has to go out this way, just what an incredible shame yeah. it would be. I mean, there are greater tragedies in life, but um, you know, the, the the NBA. There's a lot of talk about Vince Carter, who's <laughs> um, you know, who was trying to ride off into the sunset and have kind of this storybook ending to his career. And he might be done now. Um, it's just, you know, these guys, it, it, it's it's not fair. It's just not fair the, the what they're faced with and the possibility of that right now. I can't believe that Vince Carter is still playing, by the way. I, so I, I know, covered right? him. I covered him play high school basketball at Daytona Beach Mainland back in the day. I covered him in state tournaments. He was one of the best players I think I've ever seen in my life. And yeah. we're talking that we're talking the early to mid nineties that he was in high school. Right. And uh, yeah. the fact that he, yeah, he's uh, been, I still... think, I think it's 22 years he's been in the league, which it's crazy. is unbelievable. Just, just, just amazing. But yeah. And then, you know, he was probably hoping that, you know, the, the last month of the season or something, he could really have some reflection and some appreciation. And, you know, if Miko's going, you know, is, if this is, if these are his last days in a wild sweater, I mean, he was probably uh, looking at, you know, the, the last month of the yep. year and saying, boy, this is a real opportunity for me to soak things up and, 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 and maybe even to let down some of that wall that he's always had yep. up and, 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 and really engage. And, and man, if he doesn't get that opportunity, what a, what a, what a, just a, just a terrible thing. Yeah, exactly. And at least he got to celebrate his thousandth game and in his thousandth yes. game, score the shootout winner against Dallas and, and have that moment on the ice with his, uh, with his family and get the last father-son trip to Edmonton and Vancouver with his dad. Um, but you're right. You saw it after he refused to waive his no-move clause to be traded, that, that where it became very apparent that he wanted to end his career in a Minnesota uniform. You saw him, really since the trade deadline, uh, take off as a player again and look a little bit like vintage Miko Koivu. And there was this um, load off his shoulder for myriad reasons, not just uh, waving his no-move but I do think that he had it in his mind that he was going to go out here and try to will this team into the playoffs and started playing his best hockey. And could you imagine, John, you know, I said it, obviously I didn't know what I meant, but when I said it on KFAN before the trip 
to California that the Wild had to go 3-0 that trip in my mind to really put themselves in position to have a really a legitimate chance in the final 12-13 games to make the playoffs, how right I was. They wound up going 2-1 yeah. and one on that trip. They are a point out of a playoff spot right now. If this league comes back and just says the 16 teams are playing, let's just say, the Wild will miss the playoffs. And it goes back to that old cliche that we always write in sports writing every single season is like, oh, you hope this game didn't, doesn't come back to haunt them in April. And how yep. many times you look at the Wild not getting that extra point in, in one overtime, blowing that game up three goals late against Florida Panthers last in January, the 7-3 loss in L.A. on this last trip um, when it was a very winnable game. And you met, and you look at it now, and one point would have them in the top eight in the Western Conference right now. And and that's the thing is, like, you know, I know that Gary Bettman and Bill Daly are saying that they're modeling for everything. But are you really going to just um, have these guys work out, stick you – know, you know, a lot of them have flown back to Europe – um, you know, continue to act and proceed like there's going to be a season this year, and then all of a sudden bring them all back to play 11 or 12 regular season games, or maybe just a couple playoff games, or or even just even think of the play-in scenarios that the league has floated around. Are you going to have people fly back from Europe to play maybe one game? Uh, it just it just seems so unrealistic right now. Now everything I said last week on the last po- straight from the source podcast, I all thought was unrealistic and. Next thing I know, three days later, the all the seasons are canceled. But it just seems like right now, um, how to salvage this is just very, very diff- difficult to comprehend. Yeah, it, it is, and and you know, it, it's really interesting because I think what it, at least in the NBA side, the league and the individual teams have tried to encourage players to stay in the markets that they're in, even if they don't keep a home there in the off season or things of that nature, kind of for that reason, a little bit a, because if things start back up again, it's going to be hard to, for everyone at one time to relocate and get back to where they need to be. B, um, you know, it's, it's a good idea to not be moving around the country, around the world a lot right now because of the potential to either spread the virus or to trans, you know, to, to get the virus from somewhere else, all of those things. And C, it's, you know, it's basically the, the teams are saying, look, if you get sick, it's best, we can take care of you better if you're right in our backyard than if you're in Spain, which Juancho Hernan Gomez is yep. from Spain, or or wherever you're at, it would be just so much easier for that to happen if you're here. So now these are hard conversations to have too, because there are players with families elsewhere. Yeah. There are players that want to check on their parents or or their kids or or whatever, and uh, you know, and you're having to advise them like, look, I know your heart's in the right place, but you but the smarter thing to do is to stay put. And um, so these are all the, the kinds of conversations that are going on right now across the league. And some are, you know, hitting home and some aren't, but yeah, if you're talking about, you know, if everyone just scatters and goes their respective ways um, and then you get some sort of, you know, two week warning or something or one week warning that, Hey, we're going to start ramping up. Uh, I think it it has the potential to be really, really messy to try and pick back up and start again. 
Absolutely. And I was listening to Richard Pitino on the radio the other day, and he was talking from his perspective how scary it is from a coaching perspective when all of a sudden you don't have your players in front of you. Yeah. Making sure they're doing their schoolwork, making sure they're working out, making sure they're eating right, making sure other college coaches aren't bombarding down their door and, and doing stuff illegal. Um, that's from that perspective. I did a story on yesterday's The Athletic um, about the Minnesota State Mavericks and um, and the fact for, for there were multifaceted uh uh, parts of the story that are, are that are based on different facets, but one, the fact that this team really thought it had a chance to go and win a national title, and how like thousands of seniors in our country had all of a sudden abruptly their college careers ended, and how that could have been the case for seven Mavericks players and also junior Connor Mackey. Um, but the other thing is that two of the players that I featured in the story were are Mike McAllis and Parker Toomey. They both live in Germany, and so they're in a state of limbo. Yeah. Because one, their families are back in Germany, so they 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 miss them. They want to see them, but they're scared to go back there because they could be stuck there because of the fact. If all of a sudden professional sports begins again, they want to be make sure they're not stuck there because they are uh, close to signing contracts uh, with professional hockey teams here. So it's it's a real difficult story, and it was a tough story to write. I mean, I know again in every, all, the, and and I will say, if you read the story, the coach Mike Hastings, Parker Toomey, Mark McAllis are real honest in the fact that, yes, they, they feel like um, th- this has been devastating to them and a total emptiness, but they also understand that in the grand scheme of what's going on in the world that what they're dealing with is just not a big problem. But, it, man, I mean, you look at Parker Toomey in the case of him, you know, this is a kid that could never play high school hockey in the state of Minnesota because his dad is a professional coach over in Germany and his mother, obviously, they have, you know, they he has siblings, so his mother was staying there. So because his parents weren't moving there, the this Minnesota State High School League would never make him eligible to live with his his grandparents here or his aunt and multiple aunts and uncles here. So he could never fulfill that dream. Then he gets into college and he thinks that he's going to follow in his dad's footstep and not only have a chance to win a national championship like his dad did at the University of Wisconsin, but do it in Detroit where his dad won the national championship in 1990. And he's all gung ho about that, thinking the stars are aligning and this everything's coming full circle. And then boom, his career ends in college after a great uh, career with Minnesota State. It's obviously a tough, tough story uh, there. Um, John, I do want to um, we just got quickly a couple uh, Twitter questions and then we'll uh, we'll end the show. Um, uh, uh, let, let me just quickly go through, see if uh, a couple of things go for both of us. Um, one, why did the Wild tear up the ice? Are they getting ready to call the season? No, uh, I think that, look, I think it's very clear um, in the NBA and the NHL and Major League Baseball that there's not going to be sports for a while here. It's obviously uh, very expensive to keep that ice going. So I think they just tear it up and they can get that. They could re-put down a, they'll have plenty of time to put down that ice sheet, especially because the Wild have a practice facility somewhere else. Um, Ross asks, John, uh, with some of the awkward trade demands and things going on during the start of the NFL season and increased social media influence from players, does that make gathering or breaking news more awkward or easier? Players seem to be more open than ever. Um, I mean, it depends. It's, it's player to player, right? And you know this, Mike. I mean, some are very outspoken on social media and some, you know, share their feelings, no problems whatsoever. And some are quieter about it and some don't, don't want to get into it. Then that, that requires a little more digging. Um, I do think that it's easier for players to get out their message um, than ever before, which is not a bad thing at all. But the, the challenge for us as reporters is being able to find the truth 
you know, or at least as close to the truth through these these kinds of confrontations. I mean, obviously, Diggs feels his way about how things were going and what he was told and what needed to happen. Um, and then the Vikings have their version of events, what what was going on and what needs to be told. And there's probably the, the, the closest thing to truth there is in the middle. And so the challenge for us is to try and talk to both sides as much as you can, to try and gather as much information as you can and present as balanced of a portrayal of the situation as possible. Um, and that's not always easy to do. A um, couple more questions for John uh, from Twitter, um, but I also did want to tell you that we have a couple other podcasts out locally here. Street Cash, there's a new episode about the free agent uh, frenzy with um, with Sheil and Arif as well. And then I just saw that Dan Hayes and Zach Pierce, our illustrious editor at The Athletic, uh, just put out uh, one of their uh, baseball podcasts as well. So make sure you read those or listen to those as well. Uh, this is straight from the source. Just a couple more questions. Uh, Trevor asked me um, that I mentioned that the team wasn't going to Traverse City this fall. Was uh, what was the original plan? Uh, because I'm sure that will change. You're right. Uh, I am a little hesitant to talk about too much about it, but the way I understood it is that Chicago and Minnesota, the Blackhawks and the Wild, were going to have sort of their own little mini uh, prospect tournament uh, between the two cities as well. I don't know all the details, but those two teams were not going to Traverse City. Um, Tyler Scott asked me, when you were recording with Walls, there was breaking news you had to attend to. Was that the Parisi discussions or Winter Classic opponent? Um, yeah, that was an interesting time. I did an hour um, live podcast for The Athletic a couple weeks ago, uh, John, uh, right before the trade deadline. And I'm on stage with Wes Walls the day before the trade deadline. And I am getting right when it starts pelted with uh, all sorts of uh, texts from a single source that I was very, very distracted about. And uh, to Tyler's, uh, uh, you know, good reporter intuition, Tyler, that was absolutely about the Parisi stuff. Um, so I was extremely nervous during this live podcast, and I couldn't keep it to myself. I was, you know, as we're, we're doing it in front of a studio audience, uh, John while it's also being recorded in the back and I am just freaking out that this other source is gonna <laughs> is telling me that it's about to get out there. And this is something that I had been working on for three or four days, which was one reason why when this Parisi stuff happened on the day of the trade deadline, we were supposed to have a story right that we were able to have a story right away. Um, I won't name the Twitter name because it's a, it's a little illegal, at least in Minnesota. Um, what's the take on the defensive backfield departures from the Vikings, John, including Mac leaving for only $4 million? Are there locker yeah, room look, and they, coaching conflicts? Well, um, I, I, you know, I mean, Mackenzie Alexander certainly had his um, differences with with some of the coaches. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, but Trey Waynes left for a bigger deal with Cincinnati, a much bigger deal. Uh, Xavier Rhodes was cut because he uh, was not performing well enough for the big money that he was making. So. Uh, it hasn't all been they haven't all been conflicts with coaches, but they're but I think the Alexander one, those co the coaches did not see eye to eye with him. That is going to happen sometimes. But uh, Mike Zimmer obviously has an unbelievable track record with developing defensive backs, with with coaching them and turning them into really good players. And and so I don't put a whole lot of concern into, um, OK, it, you know, uh, Mackenzie Alexander went wanted to go elsewhere so does that mean that there's a real problem with the coaching staff i don't think that at all but there is no question that 
they have a real issue with depth there now in terms of they have none. I mean, you know, they Mike Hughes is is going to be is returning, but he's coming off of a neck injury, and there are questions about what his availability is going to be like going into next season. So they have a ton of work to do to add talent at that position. Um, and that is one of the reasons or one of the good things about getting the amount of draft assets they got from, uh, from Buffalo for Stefan Diggs um, is that now they have a little more ammunition to, to replenish that, position in the draft and so there's going to be a lot of pressure on Holton Hill coming back from his hijinks off of the field and, and trying to be productive and they're gonna to have to find some other bodies too because they're just they, they don't they don't have much going right there right there right now we have a bunch of other Twitter questions but you know what uh things aren't going to change for a while I'm sure John will be very uh nice and come back on straight from the source um I did want to end the show John and I know that you um uh most likely want to weigh in as well but I did want to thank um, the athletic uh, subscribers and all all fans out here in Minnesota for the support that they uh, showed our colleague Chad Graff the last couple of weeks during a very tough time in his life and his wife Sam's life. Um, you know, they, they lost their child, Anna, 13 days after she gave birth. It was an awful experience. Um, I'm sure that you've all read about it. And, and I just want to tell you that Chad has texted me and we've talked a number of times about how absolutely overwhelmed he was by the support in this area. Um, you know, again, and, and with what's going on with the coronavirus right now, it's a tough time. He, he is going to basically uh, delay the memorial that he wants to do for his daughter uh, because it's just hard to get people, family members to come in right now. He can't have public gatherings and things like that, which actually might be w- wise to, you know, kind of delay this a couple months and then really have a real wonderful celebration. But um, the, the amount of support that we had from people that read him, read us, uh, sports fans in the area, uh, nationwide, uh, globally as well, um, was just overwhelming for all of us to see, but especially Chad and his family. Yeah, it's been it. That's been the literally like the only good thing that has come out of this is you know mm-hmm. I mean you just your heart breaks for for Chad and Sam, uh, his wife and and everything they've had to endure with this. Um, but you know Chad in the way that he kept everyone up to date with the carrying bridge site and was so vulnerable and so open on that. And then with the great piece that he wrote at the athletic, uh, just a couple of days ago, um, you know, they've just shown unbelievable courage and unbelievable strength. And I think that they have gotten some of that from the well wishes and the prayers and the thoughts from all of our readers, from, you know, they're from, you know, several of our, from many of our teammates at the athletic. And mm-hmm. I do think that that part of it has, really helped them um, get through at least as much as they can through an just an unfathomably difficult time. And uh, so, yeah, I, I thank everyone who has either donated to their GoFundMe or just sent a tweet or put a comment in an article for him just saying that you're thinking of them because it makes a world of difference. And I think that, you know, us, you know, you and me and, and Chad and Gleeman and Hayes and, and Arif and, and Zach. And like, we have built this little community here and this little team. Um, and, you know, at, at these times you figure out just how connected you are to the people and the readers who are, who are a part of our community. And, and um, it's been really special. It's there's, that's been the only way I can say it is that, 
um, to see everyone kind of band together to try and lift them up. It's been, it's been awesome. And we just wish, wish them so much the well, you know, wish them well and, and just, you know, tell Chad to take all the time that he needs yep. and we'll be here for him when, whenever he decides that he wants to get back on the horse. So, yep. And amazingly, Chad, after filing that piece, which is uh, labeled from a grieving father, that's on the athletic that everybody could read. That's unlocked. Uh, writes about the Stefan Diggs trade right after. It yeah. just, just says everything about uh, Chad Graff. Hey, John, um, really, really do appreciate you coming on here during these uh, weird times as well. Thanks to Chris back in uh, uh, Toronto, who's, I believe, producing this. Uh, I believe it's in Toronto who's producing this uh, last second podcast as well. And again, to uh, to listen to The Athletic um, and to read The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Uh, please rate and subscribe straight from the F- source on Apple. If you click on the show URL, which again is theathletic.com slash straight from the source, you'll get 40% off your subscription. And when you subscribe to The Athletic, you'll get to hear all of our stuff um, and read all of our stuff. Thanks, John. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.